Approaching shield control, transmitting code clearance on ISB channel 4. This is Scarif Substation. Proceed to landing platform for further instructions from Scarif Control. Scarif Control, this is TK226. Come at Scarif Control. This is Scarif Station. Stand by. Yeah, we see heavy fire down below. Is the garrison deployed? We've had insurgents breach the shield. What's your status, TK226? Control just cleared the gate. Stand by to receive new orders. Scarif Control. We'll coordinate an attack north of the Visage Ridge and send in the walkers. TK-226, this is Commander Milan. Proceed to the North Ridge and engage the rebels there. We've got them on the run, but we need your support. Repeat, we need your support! Let's uh, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, Alex has uh, prepared some some wonderful notes, and uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's nervous. But uh, Dominic, thank you very much again for coming back to the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast after that uh, initial uh, interview that we did when we talked about how Star Wars inspires. And uh, brother, let me tell you, Star Wars has not only inspired you to reach great uh, greatness uh, in in your career but uh, now you are in a star war and um, like I was saying man we are very excited for you we are very excited to go on this journey with you and uh, you know I, I I feel guilty because the first uh, uh, the the trailer the second trailer that dropped for the Mandalorian I didn't see you until I saw Alex's post like dude dude did you see him did you see him I'm like no no I didn't I had to go back. <laughs> So, you know, I, I, it's so funny. I was preparing, you know, it's like how the candidates, you know, up for president have to prepare like a, uh, a rejection speech. You know, I was like preparing to be like, guys, you know, I'll be the guy, the guy at the end of the bar where nobody's listening to me or believing me. Like, guys, I swear to you, I was in it, you know? So for me, it was just such a sigh of relief. I got to share with my two sons at home. I got a tweet from uh, one of my followers there who was like, dude, I just saw you. And I'll tell you, I'm not even a drinker, but I, I have this scotch for special occasions. I need a little scotch because my hands got a little numb there. And I think every Star Wars fan would feel the same if you saw yourself within the universe for the first time. And what a cool little kind of lurking shot they had of my character there in the cantina. That was fantastic. And I was so stoked for you when I saw it. I texted Ro right away. I was like, he's in it. He's in the trailer. He made it. And yeah. then uh, I saw your I saw your wonderful video that you did uh, talking about John Favreau and Dave Filoni. That was fantastic, man. It was such a nice thing for you to do. Absolutely. And and if any of you were on set, you would know. I mean, you know, again, they have the old days, of course, where they had major budgets, and you'd hear about the Michael Bay's, the James Cameron, who was screaming and yelling and and just in the in the in the actor's face or whatever. I can't tell you how cool these guys are. You want to have a beer with them. You want to give the Star Wars universe to their hands and just trust them with everything because uh, you can just feel that vibe to where they just had this constant gentle pressure, but at the same time was polite to everyone. Uh, there was a beautiful diversity on, on set. And at the same time, you could feel that quiet energy amongst everybody that you were part of something special. And I can't tell you how honored I was to be a small sliver of that. That is great. Yeah. I mean, uh, so let's, uh, let's talk about uh, your experience on the set. I mean, uh, how, how was the first day? Obviously you go through, did you go through auditions and, and how did that come about? Well, actually, you know, I call myself a blue collar actor. And what I mean by that 
is I take any job that, that I have to in order to put food on the table for my family. I actually went in for a simple makeup test where there was no promise whatsoever. There was no speak, uh, talk in any way, shape or form of what job was going to be happening, if, if any. Um, it was with a company called Legacy Effects that I was familiar with. I used to double on Van Helsing. I was uh, Frankenstein's double back in 2002 with Hugh Jackman. Uh. I was also uh, I also was in prosthetics. I was an orc in Bright. So I had a lot of patience. Uh, I was in a chair for six to seven hours. I met a gentleman by the name of Brian Sype. He was working on me. Little did I know that he was heading up Drax for all three or four Guardians of the Galaxy where Drax, David Batista was needed. And he was one of the heads. Uh, I was polite. I was kind. I've always been very humble, uh, very gracious, very professional when I work. And just at the end, I just happened to give him my card. There was, again, no idea whatsoever, even though he was getting me in sort of sci-fi gear. He, he split my face in two. He had a little bit of makeup on one side, some that I liked. Some of the prosthetics seemed like a little too gorilla-like. Uh, but either way, he was just giving tests. I would go into another room, uh, uh, take a few photos. Uh, very funny story. We had like a little lunch break. I couldn't use my phone. He said, hey, you know, let me just walk you around the warehouse. So anyhow, in the back, there happened to be a ton of Star Wars stuff. There was like, <laughs> you know, life-size models of Darth Vader and Stormtroopers and Boba Fett and everything else. And I said, what are you guys working on? I said, oh, oh, it's just a video game. So I just figured it was one of those uh, video games that was coming out at that time. And I didn't think anything of it. I, I kid you not. Uh, two weeks later, I got a phone call for a project called Huckleberry to go in for a screen test, which, again, first time in my career, I never had a screen test. If you go in, you audition in a separate, you know, in a separate day, in a separate room, and that's it. But to actually come to the lot to have a screen test, I thought that, that something was uh, something interesting was going on there. Uh, I get in. There were all closed doors. There were there were different code names on every door. It was very quiet. And I'm signing the papers. And it wasn't until I was invited into the wardrobe room that any Star Wars fan would be able to relate that there were costume pictures. And that's when my heart started pounding. Oh, what man. it pounded even more was when I saw my name and next to my name, it said Bounty Hunter. Oh my uh, God. It, yeah. <laughs> it, I, I couldn't speak. And it's funny because it was like Tom Hanks and big to where he's excited over his check. And like, but you're next to like two actors who are just like, Oh, whatever. It's just a day's pay for me. I'm like freaking the hell out, you know? Um, so anyhow, I get invited down to the makeup trailer and that's when I saw Brian again. And I think every Star Wars fan will be able to relate. It's like, how, this is a strange man, but how do you thank someone for giving you a gift that even your wife, your children, your mom could never give you? And, and to stay professional, <laughs> anybody, you know, because there are about five other professional makeup artists in the trailer, but to literally to try to express yourself within a matter of, of minutes to tell him, are, are you kidding me right now? So he comes <laughs> to me, um, he said, you had so much patience, I want to give you the most extensive makeup uh, that I had. And there was this, this character that he did two years prior that was for a Greenpeace project. It had bumps on their head. It was very similar to a gecko. It was a female model that had this. It was a beautiful photo. I'll have to show you guys. I posted it, I think, somewhere on my, on my social media. But anyhow, initially it had bumps on its head. It, it took, it, the process took about two hours for it to get on in terms of the prosthetic and the paint and everything else. Um, but when I did the screen test, uh, I... They had me behind like one of these moisture farms in front of Filoni and Favreau. Nobody was saying anything. But then I kind of hear like kind of a little bit of whispers amongst the other bounty hunters. And the bumps kind of look like boobs. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. So here I am. You know, it's like you finally get into Star Wars. But at the same time, you don't want to have boobs on your head. You know? right. So <laughs> I go to Brian. I said, Brian, I said, uh, for the love of God, I said, I'm six foot four. I have an imposing size. I'm 260 pounds. I said, you think maybe we can make this a little more badass? And he's like, Tom, he says, you know. It kind, of, it kind of looks okay. And again, I mean, you got Filoni Favreau, you know, Deborah Chow, you've got Kathleen Kennedy, 
you know, all these major, major players. So it's like, what is little Dominic Pace's opinion going to mean? But thankfully, the first day on set, they changed it to horns. And uh, we got a little special gift that day as well. Uh, when I walked right inside the cantina for the first shot up, uh, it was no, no other than uh, George Lucas was right there. Oh, wow. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. I was going to ask. That's one of my questions I had. I was like, I knew he was on set, and I knew that he was speaking with Dave Filoni and John Favreau. And I wanted to know, did you get a chance to see him? Yeah, I, I met him 15 years ago at a charity event called Target, A Time for Heroes. So I had the privilege of meeting him. You know, when you're talking about a $100 million budget and you're hired for a professional reason, this is not a time to be a, a, you know, a fanboy like I am. So, you know, you just let things go along. But I did overhear him and Favreau talk about just the depth of the Mandalorians and, and just the history of the Mandalorians. And it was just wild because I think you can count on one hand the major entertainers, maybe Walt Disney. Uh, you've got, um, what's her name from uh, uh, Harry Potter? You've got... Uh, you know, maybe Spielberg or James Cameron and George Lucas, where as they're almost like literally God talking about their their creation uh, <laughs> at mass scale level. You know, so I, I think it was I thought it was really special to see them talking about his universe and to be right there and to kind of be approved by him as one of his, you know, his characters, uh, I thought was really special, especially that was a one of a kind bounty hunter there. That's, That's amazing. amazing. Man. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Alex, uh, what's on what's on your notes? What's in your notes, man? Let's uh, let's uh, start asking some questions here. You know, um, right, well, yeah, go go ahead, Alex. Come on, let's go. Well, since you kind of mentioned it a minute ago, you were talking about that other uh, piece of art that you said that had uh, the name Gecko. Yes. I noticed in uh, in one of your posts, I believe you said, that, "Is your character's name actually Gecko?" G, what is it? G E K K O. Is that, that is, the I, official name? That was a nickname in the trailer. That was a nickname amongst the bounty hunters. It is not official from Disney. Okay, I, okay. I, I, what I'm thinking is it's kind of like where Walrus Man was named Walrus Man, or, but perhaps there might be a different name for me. Oh, uh, right, you know, I right. Think it's like Ponda Baba. But uh, ultimately, uh, that is the nickname. That's uh, what I mean, at least as far as I know. But it wasn't like Kathleen Kennedy came up to me and said, hey, Gecko, okay. what's going on? <laughs> okay, <laughs> very cool. Hey. Phase, but, but I think Gecko, I mean, especially the fact that he created – the character out of that and also the paint sequence that it's on my face is very similar to the gecko um i, I think we run with it and uh as far as i'm concerned i'm gecko there yeah. yeah that's very cool it's very catchy too so it'll be easier for fans to remember it'll be easy yeah. for fans to latch onto that name and say okay i know gecko when i see him and your very your character again like you were talking about is very distinct you have a very distinct look with your is it face paint or is that your actual skin color did they mention no it's no? actually a uh, uh, face paint of a skin color and then also there's a white line that goes in between. I was going to do a video after the 12th to, for all the cosplayers. I have a guy actually making my blaster in West Virginia as we speak, and I wanted to go through it with any cosplayers who would be so bold to, uh, to dress up as me for the, uh, for the conventions. Uh, but, yeah, there was a little white line in between, and then you had the black as well. Initially, they had some little, like, sparkles to make it look almost like a, a galaxy in my eyes and stuff. But that, that looked a little too 70s foo-foo, uh, you know, like Diana Ross freaking solid gold thing. Right. So I was like I was like, if we could do without this, that would be terrific. Uh, but uh, it's it's black with a little white scheme uh, to separate the skin tone. But the skin tone was painted on as well. It was a two-hour process. Oh, very cool. Um, did you have any details on your character as far as uh, who he is, what world he's come from? Has that any of those details been uh, written up by anybody on the story group, or do you have something in your own head for when you're uh, as this character? Do you what do you latch onto as an actor to play that character? Uh, well, specifically the scenario to be in the moment. I think anytime you know you perform and you set yourself up 
for a uh, for a scene. You cannot your your mind has to simplify. That's basically the ultimate thing. You can't throw a million different things into your uh, your story. It has to be simplified down to one thing. In one scenario, in particular. Uh, it's that somebody hurt me, somebody hurt me in one way uh, or another where I need to get revenge, I need to get back, uh, or I need to get whatever they have um, by force if necessary, and to be unapologetic with that. And I'm very, it's very easy for me to be able to get in touch with that, to be imposing uh, tough and strong and sort of yeah. have no money, whether it's a woman or child I need to get in terms of bounty uh, so that I get the money. Uh, I don't think that Gecko would stop at anything in order that's, to get what he needs. That's very cool. It's a very classic bounty hunter. I love it. And but uh, I will say, you know, with the Kenobi series coming up and Kenobi obviously taking place beforehand, I would love nothing more than Gecko to have a shot at uh, catching Luke <laughs> to explore that. Kenobi fights me off. That would be freaking amazing. That you would, know, that that, that is yeah. one of my my personal fan theories for when I was writing my own headcanon for the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is is he is there to protect Luke. And it's very possible very possible that the huts or somebody else might have tried to get on to uh to owen lars and the lars family might own money who knows anything could happen more yeah, power to you man <laughs> or there you know or vader you know had some bounty, some other uh, bounty hunters come out to uh to go ahead and hunt him but uh also at the same time obi-wan is just does his badass hello there thing and uh, we can <laughs> kind of uh blast it off so hopefully we can see an extension in that direction but either way you know, I got to tell you, I didn't. I come from humble beginnings. Uh, just again to be able to have this opportunity, I think every Star Wars fan would admit. You know, if you were to win a million dollars, I told you here's a million dollars tomorrow. If you start thinking, you know, about oh boy, you know, what about maybe another million or this? I, I just for me right now, it's just a matter of being uh, uh, just very grateful in terms of the opportunity that we have there. Dominic, what was it like day one when you walked uh, right after you uh, left uh, makeup trailer and you walked onto the set and everybody is there? You're uh, transported to that world. What was that like? Tell us what was that like? Uh, two things I want to point out. I had a guest star years ago. I, I'm Italian-American, and one of my idols is Chess Palminteri. I did a guest starring role on a show called Dr. Vegas, and that traumatized me uh, for many years because I was so honored to be alongside Chess Palminteri. At, at the end of the day, I ended up getting the footage from that. I knew somebody at Warner Brothers. That show got canceled um, before my episode ever aired. So one of the things that was going through my head was just the fear. I've been in this business for 20 years. Anything can happen. One of the fears that was going through my head was not being seen, not being established. Uh, it was about it was about Mando. It was about Carl that day. So at least for that scenario. And we didn't know the following week. I ended up making the cut. But we didn't know the following week if we were going to be invited back or not. So for me, I was excited, but at the same time very anxious because it's an opportunity where maybe, you know, who knows, maybe you're going to see a rock concert and you get past the first level of security. Well, at the same time, there's still a little bit more game in order to get down on the main floor to see your favorite rock star or to see your favorite sports team. So that was kind of where I was at. Um, with that being said, at the same time, uh, again, it was just, there was one time where I wish I could have taken my eyes and my mind, and I wish I could have put it in every Star Wars fan's head in the sense that the camera was away from me within the cantina, and I was facing these three aliens. And I just wish that every Star Wars fan could have experienced this in the $100 million budget, full dimension, that I experienced it, where there were no cameras. And as an actor, we started turning into sort of Keanu Reeves in the Matrix to where you start creating that world. The, the room, the windows were smoky. So all of a sudden, you're starting to think what kind of planet you're on. And your mind can really go there after so many years of being in the moment and truly letting go of the entire 200-person crew behind, uh, you know, away from you. And I just wish that I could have taken my mind and given it to every Star Wars fan during this 
one moment because it was just priceless, the fact that I felt like I was in the universe. And, and my first playset <laughs> was actually the Cantina playset. So it was just tripping me out that I had my blaster. I used to love to play with their, you know, everybody had a different type of shaped gun. I had my own blaster and I'm sitting here within a freaking cantina. That was my first, <laughs> in 1980, I'm here in Austin, New York, you know, playing with, you know, my figures, my mom's in the kitchen. It, it was just, uh, it, it was just otherworldly. I, I can't even describe it there. Must have been a surreal moment there, Dominic, a very surreal moment. Yes, yes. Um, but I'll tell you another exciting moment though, before I got on set. And again, I wish I can put every Star Wars fan in my shoes. Samuel Jackson, before episode one, was prevented, pre presented with a suitcase full of lightsabers. I had the same opportunity. It was a whole table full of blasters. And nice. I wish that I could again, same thing. For me, it's just the Italian culture where we just want to share. It, for me, I can't enjoy a vacation if I can't share it with somebody. And again, the same thing. I wish I could have shared that experience with every Star Wars fan in terms of here is a list of your blasters. Which one would you go to? And I felt like mine picked me in the sense of it was big and it was a semi-automatic with this um, paintball canister attached to the back and it had a curved dagger. And even though we were standing around for 15, 16 hour days, I think every Star Wars fan would agree that it was just a labor of love because, you know, who wouldn't want some badass blaster, you know, for your bounty hunter there. So that was a yeah. really priceless experience for me. That's I'm really sure, cool. Especially, yeah. especially something as unique as Star Wars. It's, it's the one that you picked or it picked you. I can only imagine. I, um, as soon as you said that, I flashed back to the behind the scenes of uh, Ewan McGregor picking his lightsaber from Episode One as well. Like yes. that's in the that's in one of those documentaries with the DVD specials. And and to hear you talk about that, I can feel your energy with how excited you were about it. And that's absolutely amazing, man. It's such an yeah. incredible opportunity. Yeah, I, I want to just share one other moment too as well. There was a uh, sort of this Rudy Rudiger moment again. I think the fans would be able to connect with. I've done stunts through my career. I did a B-movie starring Michael Madsen last year. I was opposite him in a cheesy movie called Megalodon. But I've also done a lot of stunts on a lot of the crime dramas and stuff. Just simple stuff. Um, but anyhow, the stunt coordinator, there was, a, there was one sequence in one of the episodes. And he's like, hey, he's like, just, just, you know, if you want to take it easy on this, you don't have to go all out. <laughs> and I said, man, I said, I've been waiting for this my whole life, man. I said, you know, I don't care if I break my ribs right now. Uh, you know, trust me, I will not be calling the ambulance or suing you guys. This just right now, I'm just in heaven. So whatever you want me to do, I said, trust me, I don't need an extra, you know, uh, part of the contract. I don't need to sign anything. It just let me do it. And thank God they let me do it. I hope it's captured all on screen. I'll let you guys know after uh, a few of the episodes. But uh, that was just something else, too, where I just kind of had that Rudy Rudiger moment where I just, you know, pulled him aside and said, listen, <laughs> you don't understand, man. I mean, this is a dream of every guy, every girl who loves Star Wars, you know, to freaking be able to be, you know, the first time I ever heard an applause was during the skip scene uh, in Return of the Jedi. I was 10 years old in Yonkers, New York, and everybody applauded. And there was this clap and you got goosebumps by just Mark Hamill just saving the day and kicking all the side characters. But um, but just I hope that I'm able to do that, at least be a small part of that to a child. That, that to me would just mean so much uh, uh, just to be able to kind of have that forward. And that was the whole original reason I wanted to be part of the business there. Dominic, you can definitely feel your energy and the enthusiasm that you have as a Star Wars fan, as a, a an actor, a professional. Uh, but just you know, just getting to play in that uh, that sandbox, that's uh, got to be an amazing feeling. Uh, not only for a, a Star Wars fan, but for an actor in a Star Wars film and someone that uh, has uh, kind of you know had a history with with the franchise as you do. It's it's got to be an amazing feeling. 
Yeah, lifelong collector. I actually, I knew when my final day was going to be, and I actually was at a charity event where they actually had these uh, custom-made kind of uh, fold-out uh, Star Wars cards, and I, I got as many as I could, and some of the PAs, I mean, everybody was just working, and they didn't really care. I mean, kind of the first AD is like, all right, whatever, you know, and the second AD is like, oh, thank you so much, and um, but I literally went around, especially to Brian Sype, who was uh, over at Legacy Effects, and I handed them each a card just because, again, I, I couldn't express how much, how grateful I was. I actually went up to one of the first ADs recently. I was uh, had a guest star on a new show called Deputy, and she didn't realize, I mean, again, it just doesn't mean much to them, but just how much it means to us as Star Wars fans to be part of that. There was a camera operator I need to track down as soon as I see one of the episodes because... I owe her so much. I want to maybe buy her dinner for her and her boyfriend or whatever. As a young young woman, I mean, she didn't even look, I mean, I, I don't mean to be stereotypical, but somebody you would not think would be a camera operator. And she um, she kept inting me over into the frame. And that, you know, to feel, you know, with Carl, it, it's just obviously for, for a lifetime, something where every Star Wars fan would want to have that screenshot. And I owe a lot to this woman because essentially it was about Carl. It's not about me. Um, but that just meant so much to me that she cared to make sure that I got in the shot. And again, she didn't know. I, I wasn't going around telling everybody I was a fan. They, they would kick you off the stage. Funny story. Let me just add one more thing. <laughs> Keep I, going, I, man. I'm, I'm eating this up. This is amazing. <laughs> I, can't say, I can't say what I saw. But anyhow, they, they had this amazing technology, which basically required, it must have been like two rows of, a, of, uh, of MIT graduates. The guys were like in you know, button-down shirts and you can just see they were just so well kept. Anyhow, I see one of my childhood things, you know, life size. And uh, I just don't want to give it away. But anyhow, it's like I literally let out a shriek because to see it life size, to this to be one of your childhood toys, one of the first things you've ever bought, you know, and to see it life size. So they all started looking at me and I got scared that, they, you know, I was going to have to exit, you know, security was going to take me out or something. But I just couldn't hold it back because it's like it's, you know, it was the toy that we had when we were kids, you know. <laughs> So anyhow, they have, they have, every time we went outside, we had to wear a cloak. So we were already in three layers of, of clothing. But anytime we had to go use the restroom or go for lunch because there were drones and paparazzi yeah. that were pictures of anything they could, uh, we had to put on another black cloak. It's the most annoying thing because L.A. is we don't even get a freaking winter here. So it's like 80 degrees <laughs> to begin with. Right. Plus the alcohol they use to, to seal my spread, my, my paint. Um, basically, when it's in the sunlight, it's like burning. Jeez. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you you know all the people that are working on Star Wars nowadays uh, that have grown up being fans. You can't be the only one that that maybe shrieks on set. You know there has to be used to that by now. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's just again, it's like you just want to be professionally. Of course, they took your phone the whole time. You know, your phone was gone yeah. for like eighteen hours. Which again, I I don't blame them. The whole joy of this, and even all the interviews that I'm doing, we're not talking about the storyline, and I respect that in terms of the fact that. Everybody should be able to experience, you know, when they say no spoilers, it's for a good reason, because we all yeah. want to experience it for the first time. It shouldn't be me telling you what's happening or anybody else. So, yeah. um, but, but anyhow, yeah, it's just, it was just an amazing experience. And, and most importantly, I can't tell you how much pride everybody should take in being fans of Favreau and Filoni, just because, again, their demeanor is so real. It's so down to earth. There's no more Hollywood air in this town. It's, it's very few and far between. Those people are, are getting kicked out left and right. So, you know, now you have more down-to-earth guys and girls, and, and it's just the coolest thing to work with because that's what it's always been about is just doing the work and making people happy. And to be a part of that is just an honor. That's very cool. And that actually kind of leads into my next question I had for you. Um, you mentioned being able to see and work with a lot of these heavy hitters like Dave Filoni and, and uh, J John Favreau, of course. 
uh, was what directors did you get to work with specifically? Because we know that we had a lot of really cool directors like Deborah Chow, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard was on set, uh, along with uh, also Taika Waititi. Uh, yeah. Who did you get to work with? Uh, Filoni and Chow. Filoni and Chow. And uh, Chow is just an amazing professional as well. She knew what she wanted every time she went on. And, and the great thing is you can just feel the respect that the people have for the directors and the producers. There was no time of, of dragging or any of that. I mean, wherever they wanted you, that's where you were. This was no time as much as you were excited to be part of the Star Wars universe. Part of that honor is that you're doing exactly what, what's needed from you and, and giving 110%. And I'll tell you, you know, Carl Weathers, I think he's getting up there in age now. But I'll tell you, when you know somebody like him is giving 110%, and I've had that with other actors as well. Hugh Jackman on the 14th hour, um, Will Smith on the 14th, 15th hour with so much energy and so much conviction for the fans and for the people watching at home. That makes you step up your game as well, no matter how small or how big your part is. Uh, so it, it was such an honor to be a part of that and be under the direction of Chow and Filoni there. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, uh, getting back to uh, on-set experiences, uh, being a behind-the-scenes uh, technical geek uh, as as I am, uh, without uh, spoiling anything, obviously, uh, were you privy to any technology that was used on on set? Anything new that uh, that is is going to give us a, a a wow factor? Were you uh, did you experience anything of that? Holy crap! Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I get on set. I get on set the first day for the screen test, and I'm seeing the back of this set, and I just figure, oh wow, maybe it's like the back of a Death Star or back of a ship or something like that. There are these three by three uh, like cubes type of screens, you know, uh, like square screens. So I go around and as we're getting ready for the screen test, I'm looking and I'm, I, my vision is 110% perfect. I'm, I'm getting in my forties now, but I have no problems with vision. If you see that shot with Werner Herzog, uh, they have like a screenshot in the, uh, or even in the trailer where it looks like he's got a couple of windows behind him. They are not using a green screen. It's, it's an led screen. And so for the actors, it's cooler on set, but at the same time, what this allows the producers to do is they can put a spaceship, they can put a land speeder, they can put anything, an X-wing within this 270 degree surround stage and create an entire show. But what's really special for the fans is the technology up on that screen. I kid you not, I was 20 feet away. I could not tell the fact that it was not 3D. I mean, it was just ridiculously clear. And wow. the one thing for the actor, I mean, I know that Ewan McGregor, I think you talked about that in terms of the green screens uh, that it was just, you know, nonstop for the prequels. But just it gives you a little bit more atmosphere as an actor so that you can perform uh, from that. But not only that, again, with the camera operators to be able to do the action sequences in space and be able to use that camera any way they want around the ship. I haven't seen anything, but I'll tell you right now. I mean, I, I think we're in for a real treat when we see the show, especially I think it was like shot in 8K. So make sure whatever TV you're on, it's not grandpa's. Uh, old uh, so no. vision. so recommendation, you know? rec recommendation, do not watch the Mandalorian on your iPhone. No, no, no way, no way. It has a channel turner. Do not watch it on that. You know? <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. During Black Friday, you may want to go for that, that little sale there, you know? Wow. And that's a fast. That's a fascinating piece of equipment that you're talking about, and it makes me think. Like one of the things that George Lucas has always used Star Wars for, above and beyond the story and epicness of of escapism, like you talked about before, is uh, is the pushing forward of of cinematic technology. That was one of the major uh, factors to the prequels. You know, they get a lot of flack nowadays, but back then that was pushing the edge of of technology for for filmmaking. Do you feel like The Mandalorian is kind of doing that with this new technology that you're talking about? Um, I think they're even going a step further, but also at the same time, I think keep the integrity of what 
the the OG fans really enjoyed was that was the um, creating also the, the set pieces as well. Um, so I think they're going to have a fine balance between obviously the high end uh, resolution um, to where I think that might have been a little questionable during some of the prequels, you know, where it was too sort of cartoonish between the battle droids and that the, the Gungan battle and such. But to bring it to that next level to where it feels so real. Um, yeah. The only thing that's sad for the movie buff is, you know, I used to I'm a, I'm a big fan. If you Google Dominic Pace movie locations, I love to go on location uh, to visit, you know, special places that, you know, you feel a little connected to your favorite show. You know, say it's the Goonies up in Oregon or the Godfather House in Staten Island. They can do a whole show now in like two uh, two stages, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think the quality is going to be amazing. That is great. And again, just being being kind of like a behind the scenes camera nerd. You know, I've seen some of the behind the scenes stuff where where they they do like a pre-rendering in the box that the camera guy is holding and then they can just go back and forth and it's like right there. It's uh it's going to be a great great thing to experience uh, again from from a geeky standpoint. But uh you know, sitting at that uh, Mandalorian panel during uh, uh Celebration Chicago and hearing uh, the story of uh, you know the guys in the garage who who realize hey let's let's make up some technology and it kind of harkens back to what George Lucas did back in the day when he started ILM there were no companies that were able to do the special effects that he wanted to do and he just got these guys together and and you know put them in a garage and and just kind of did what they had to do to make these special effects so uh, I I for one am uh, so ecstatic that that concept of creativity, the concept of innovation, is coming back to uh, to Star Wars uh, in uh, this new uh, Disney streaming show uh, that is the Mandalorian. I I, I can't uh, I can't praise that enough. That concept and kudos to Filoni and Favreau for being able to connect with the past to bring Star Wars into the future. Yeah, and I think also you're looking at the time era too, where I think we're gonna get a lot of a special surprises, you know, because it's right in between uh, Return of the Jedi and Episode Seven. So, I mean, you're you're being able to pull from the old world and also the new world, and I think that's going to lead for a lot of special stories and uh, some surprise characters there as well. Yeah, oh, for man. sure. We are looking forward to those surprise characters. There's a lot of talk <laughs> on the internet about who might show up. Uh, obviously, you've got some Clone Wars era images in that uh, trailer that just dropped. The droids in the background. We are uh, foaming at the mouth, Dominic. We just cannot wait for November 12th. Oh, you're, you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. I know. I watched uh, I watched the Mandalorian trailer in, like, super as slow as YouTube would play it. I was watching that trailer trying to pick out every little piece, and I saw, I saw battle droids from the prequels. I saw your character. I saw all these awesome images, and, of course, the Mandalorian himself kicking butt. I was, it's so exciting to be able to to be a star Wars fan nowadays, just because the amount of content that we're getting. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to see that they're moving in a direction that I think fans are really going to love, uh, with the Mandalorian and with Obi-Wan Kenobi coming back, you and McGregor, people are super stoked about that. You mentioned Deborah Chow was the director that you worked with. She's slated to be the head uh, director for Kenobi. So, you know, pull those strings, Dominic, by all means. (laughs) Yes. Yes, definitely. (laughs) You know, she's one of the Italian from New York. She's like, why can't you get on this show? Why can't you get on this? I'm like, well, it doesn't work that way. I wish it did. I'm like, they just called me. I can't, you know what? I mean, just recently, Angelina Jolie, she goes to J.J. Abrams. J.J.'s like, no, I'm good. I I don't, you know, I can't do anything or whatever. You know, (laughs) no matter who you are, it's just Star Wars has to pick you. I I mean, in a perfect world, 
it would be great to just kind of line up for a casting session, but <laughs> sure. it, it just doesn't that way. But but either way, just to experience Deborah there for for a good week and a half, and I owe her because she was the one who selected me for the cut. Um, uh, it was just uh, priceless there, and, and what a, a polite woman and professional, and she's got an amazing teacher ahead of her there. Can you? Yeah, that's fantastic. Can you describe your outfit uh, as this character? Like what uh, what helped you? kind of become the 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 gecko what uh what kind of uh i guess accessories do you have and uh just describe a little bit for uh for folks uh so when we see it absolutely well first and foremost got to give credit to richard a pora who has a legendary resume he's worked on orville as well as previous star wars productions as well it's such is it the man moved to another galaxy and knew what other people wear i mean that's kind of the magic wow. to star wars you know, besides the blasters, along with the blasters and lightsabers and ships, it's also the costumes. And Richard A. Pora is the one to credit. I will say, uh, as much as we all want to have our face on screen, um, when I was I was given a, an original photo, they, they took an original photo of me without the mask. And Richard originally had the mask on me. Uh, normally, an actor would might cheat towards where, you know, you want all the face time. But for me, I went over to Richard. I said, Richard... Uh, you you want this on, correct? Because it, to me, it, I think it just added that whole dark, imposing, Darth Bane, you know, Bane kind of. Yes. Image. Yeah. Um, so that was... was part of it. We I have a dark blue robe, and and the belt actually buckles in the back. It's about six inches high with black boots, black long gloves, and then I have forearm guards too to block the blasting. Um, uh, what else do we have? Uh, it's it's there is a hood in the back. The tubes go to the back and connect. Uh, it's kind of a mystery as to whether it goes inside my body or not, but I believe that it's a means of survival on most planets for my uh, my species and my character there. Um, cool. But then, you know, you're equipped with a, uh, a, a blaster, and uh, you got uh, six foot four. We had a little bit of like these baggy, almost like Middle Eastern um, uh, pants, to where I was able to move around it freely, almost like an MC Hammer feel. That <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna break out the, the don't touch, you know, can't yeah. touch this. Anymore. With my character, but it was nice to move around, especially uh, for some of the uh, the action stuff. Um, and then I, I was given sort of a a Jedi, a light brown um, kind of a, a fold over shirt uh, that is beneath uh, the dark blue robe. But the dark blue robe has a really good color, and I'm hoping that the AK uh, really brings out that color for the fans there. That'll look really cool uh, when I'm when I'm next to uh, Carl there. I'm I'm very excited. That's awesome. Dominic, you're like one pace ahead of me. All my questions. My very next question was going to be, you know, all the coolest characters in Star Wars wear masks, right? You got yes. Plo Kloon. You got Darth Vader. You've got yes. Dominic Pace. You got the gecko. He's got the mask on, man. I'm so happy for you. And I was going to ask you, what it, was it something specific to your species, which you said it, it might possibly be? And uh, I think yeah. that's super cool. You know, I, I wouldn't I, I can't imagine what it must be like to be in your shoes right now, man. That's so amazing. Yeah, no, like I said, we're just holding our breath. When they do, you know, sequences, sometimes, you know, with this kind of budget, the good news is they need to cover the universe. Like when I did Megalodon, they're trying to shove in uh, a $50,000 budget. They're trying to shove $100 million into $50,000. So they're shooting tight close-ups of you up. You're not in the ocean. You're on the, you know, you're docked in San Pedro, so nobody, you know, can see where you are. But with this, they want to cover the space. So for that, that's a bonus for me. That's a plus. But when they have five cameras going on, you just don't know what's caught and what's not. But I'll tell you right now, just my heart is pounding because there were certain times I felt the camera during these priceless screenshots. Please have me on in December. I, I'd love to talk <laughs> about it because there was one in particular that I'm just praying uh, will be framed and I can sign for a lifetime uh, to the fans there. So fingers crossed. We'll see what happens there. That's amazing, man. That's I can't awesome. wait. I, I'm going to be I'm going to be on the lookout for your character for sure. Thank you.
And now an exclusive look at The Mandalorian, original series streaming November 12th, only on Disney+. Plus. Look outside. Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? I see nothing but chaos. We must restore the natural order of things. Don't you agree? Uh, Ro, I'm fresh out of questions, man. Dominic laid it all out on the table for us. No, what you know, you got? It's, it's exciting. You know, I, 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 before we started rolling, I, I was uh, just mentioning how you uh, are really taking advantage of, uh, you know, being on all of our uh, podcast uh, friends. And uh, we, we love listening to, you know, what you have to say. And, uh, you know, w- we had you on uh, a long time ago. Uh, I've got a quick question from one of our followers that just tweeted at me, Imperial sure. uh, Scum. And yeah, um, yeah, I'd like to say something to the fans as well, but go ahead. Yeah. But, you know, he, he had a quick question, and, and I, I uh, reminded him that I asked you that question first when we uh, first started. Uh, I asked you about uh, what your favorite uh, uh, movie, what your favorite Star Wars movie is, and you did. Uh, answer that but I'm wondering now that you're in an actual Star Wars has that changed for you what uh, what do you say to that no you, you can't beat episode five I mean literally <laughs> if you were to put it in the top 10 top five films of all freaking time I mean it's the arc Irvin Kirshner and also like I said you know I just recently learned that Lucas had the issues uh, that we all sometimes do with our fathers you know in terms of going a separate direction I mean these are the parallels that makes Star Wars so beautiful. It's not about the pew, pew, pew and the lightsabers for me. I actually wasn't that much of a sci-fi fan, but it was the parallels to life, the mythology of believing in yourself, never giving up, and also the relationships, not only the brotherhood, perhaps for some people in the Sith, you know, Revenge of the Sith, but also the connection between father and son, which is so powerful to so many of us boys and also so many daughters to where sometimes you have that distance, especially going back to the old days, to where you didn't want to follow their path. You wanted to do your own thing. I had that battle to where my credits weren't that big when I first started off. So it became a situation where basically, you know, my father and I would lock horns all the time, you know? Um, so episode five, hands down, uh, you know, again, it, but I will say this, you know, and I know there's a lot of toxic energy amongst the fan base, but just as much as I look up to Han Solo and I look up to Empire Strikes Back, we were going to see a movie called Midsummer about a month or two ago, my wife and I. And there was a woman at the concessions who was recommending to us a, a movie uh, called Dark Phoenix. And I hadn't seen it. I don't really care for it. You know, I'm not too much into Marvel and DC. But her eyes lit up when she expressed her love for this movie. And the point being is, in terms of Star Wars, as far as any of the negativity, everybody might have a different hero. And my hero is not any better than your hero. My life is no better than your life. So if you look up to somebody in episode eight, or in episode seven, then, then I'm there for you 110%. So just sometimes with these questions, it's like, for me, it was five because that touched me, sure. but I will never judge you for what touches you. And I will never critique that, uh, especially to a performer in terms of trying to do the best that they can. Because again, I think that's what's so beautiful about Star Wars is now we're able to pull from so many different ways to where it's going to inspire a child from perhaps New Zealand or over in Africa or from the Middle East, uh, as opposed to maybe just the ways that it did back in the day. But I think that's what makes Star Wars so beautiful in, in so many ways. Totally agree. You know, somebody had called uh, the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast Switzerland when it comes to Star Wars fans. And, uh, we, you know, we kind of, you know, make light of it. Uh, a lot of our listeners know how we feel about certain aspects of, of Star Wars. But yeah. 
like you, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to ridicule someone for liking one versus another. Uh, you know, Star Wars is a fantastic franchise. There's room for everyone. And, uh, you know, yeah, everybody's got an opinion, but uh, we're uh, every day when we uh, hop on Twitter, when we hop on social media, we are reminded, especially our fans, our gr- the group that listens to us, uh, we're reminded why we love Star Wars, because we are a family uh, for that reason. But, Dominic, yes. you said you had a, a message for our, uh, our listeners. I did, just to add to that. You know, listen, at the end of the day, I'm so grateful for my life and so grateful for this opportunity that, uh, to feel the connection over the last few weeks with the Star Wars fans has been just very touching. And I just wanted to offer, you know, I, I don't care about followers, but if I can send a video of somebody, you know, has gone through a tough day, uh, I mean, of course, the autograph is going to be a different story in terms of, you know, the, the cost of, you know, mailing and, and signing and things like that. But if I can send a free video, uh, if somebody's, you know, it's their birthday, I, I sent one a couple of weeks ago to a soccer team. They had the Star Wars themed Halloween uh, 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 tournament uh, to, to make their day. For me, you know, my happiness now is to pay it forward at 44 years old. I can't tell you how grateful I am for this opportunity and for all the support of the fans all over the world. So whatever I can do to cheer them up and the connection through this beautiful series that we have, please go ahead and reach out. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those uh, diva actors in any way, shape or form. That's good. That's good. That's awesome, man. Thank you very much. I'm sure our fans will appreciate that, and uh, and I'm sure you'll get a response. Uh, there's a lot of people out there, especially after the show comes out, that'll recognize your character, uh, and I'm I'm I can't wait to to learn the backstory of your character once it comes out from Lucasfilm. Somebody out there is going to be in charge of specifically writing your story, and I hope that uh, I hope that it's as satisfying as this experience has been for you. I, I really hope so, and and. Uh... Oh God, man, we gotta we gotta find a town to get together. And if uh, Hasbro goes ahead with a figure, because that's just gonna <laughs> that's, that's gonna, gonna be, be amazing. <laughs> I just made awesome. room. I just made room in my in my Star Wars room to to put you next to this guy. So awesome. that is gonna be awesome. That's gonna be awesome. He's gonna be right there next next to him. That that's be fantastic. Thank you guys. Thank you. So uh, thank you so much. Dominic Pace, uh, actor, Star Wars fan, and uh, it, it's just been it's been a fantastic uh, ride. Uh, for, like I said from the beginning uh, of our episode called Star Wars Inspires, and uh, we've uh, kind of uh, come full circle. But that circle is, uh, as they say in Star Wars, the circle is not complete. We still have a hell of a lot uh, more uh, items to go through here, uh, especially now that uh, we are on the verge of uh, seeing how fantastic your experience has been uh, through the last couple of months and then going forward. Um, I, uh, we can't wait. We can't wait to see uh, what, uh, what your character uh, has to offer uh, in The Mandalorian and uh, in the future. So uh, the best of luck to you, Dominic. And uh, I, I see all your wonderful toys in the back there. I, I've got uh, a few of those myself. Absolutely. I have the six original bounty hunters up on the top row. And then I have a few autographs. One was signed by Billy D. Williams, one by Tamara Morrison. Um, some Childhood Remnants, my first original comic book. I have actually an eight-track, uh, just to homage <laughs> the, uh, the the legendary John Williams. And then on the bottoms, uh, just a couple of dioramas of uh, some... There, whoa, look at that. <laughs> that was magic right there. You guys have the same thought. <laughs> Come on, man. You got, you got the eight God, I, I, I love the, Star Wars fans. Yeah. <laughs> The bottom is a couple of, uh, uh, they had those display dioramas, and it's uh, dedicated to the side characters. So hopefully we'll have one edition there uh, in a couple of months. We'll see what happens. 
Rose got something else for you. What does he got? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you got the blaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got a uh, Han Solo. Uh... There you, you go. The there. Yeah. Look yeah, at you collectors just... making me all jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely a collector. I've been a fan. If you do Dominic Pace Entertainment tonight, uh, during the beginning of my career, uh, they had me on showing my collection. I had a life-size Han Solo and Carbonite, and I had a uh, lightsaber. I was doing a, a cheesy movie for Miramax there, but they covered me right before episode one, and it was a, it's a cool little interview if you get a chance. Yeah, I, I, uh, obviously I, I've seen that one. Uh, really cool, and uh, yeah, that was I think that was my first figure too. Was the the from episode one that uh, droid on the on the step? That, uh, uh, that motorcycle. Samuel, Samuel Jackson. That was the one that, like exclusive figure that they had there. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I had very a, cool. I had a Jar Jar Binks doll when I was a kid. <laughs> You know, it was an exciting time. I mean, specifically just for the nostalgia and also the break in between the action, which kind of brought back a lot of memories there before the movie came out. And then, you know, of course, it's never the same when you grow up, uh, at least for me personally. But at least building up to it was very exciting. Those months were really uh, priceless. I did that whole midnight wait with all the fans, uh, you know, waiting for the first uh, wave of the toys there. It was really a lot of fun. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, really great experience. I went to... Uh, Los Angeles, the man's Chinese theater, and waited uh, two nights uh, outside uh, overnight, and it was a fantastic experience. I, I must, I, we must have passed each other then. I lived right around the corner on Fuller. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. There was, a, like, at 3 in the morning, there was a van full of Star Trek fans. Did I mention this before? There was a van full of Star Trek fans that came out and yelled, Yoda was a puppet. And then <laughs> ran back in their van and skidded off. It was uh, it, it was battle of the nerds, battle of the nerds. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was pretty cool that night. I was actually also was seeing the first time uh, the trailer to Matrix. I thought that was pretty awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. Uh, the new technology with that uh, as well there, but that was that was a fun time. Just have that packed theater, especially at Man's Chinese. Uh, allegedly, I believe George Lucas during the opening was at Hamburger Hamlet across the across street. Across the street, yeah. His whole dream unfold right there. Well, he didn't even know. You know, he. I, I think the, the the urban legend says that he crossed the street and he asked, uh, what is everybody running to the theater for? He goes, oh, there's some new movie called Star Wars. And he's like, wow. what? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a god. What a, what a legend there. So Fantastic. Awesome so, Dominic, thank you very much. And uh, too bad you guys can't see this because we're both holding our DL-44. <laughs> hold on, hold it. Hold him up. I'll take a shot of it and I'll send it to you, bro. This is amazing. This is what are the odds? What are the odds? Yeah, but you know, I mean, collectors. What once a collector, always a collector, and we we tend to collect the same things because, uh, you know, I my lights. I I won't take my lightsaber out, but my lightsabers. I can see it right there too. So uh, all right, there you go. Funny. I got a couple uh, shots. I'll send them out. Star Wars Lego Galaxy, I, I build with the kids. We get one piece each year, and we'll hang it with fish line up under ceiling. I'll have to show you guys that one day. Yeah, um, I, I got to do that in my room, too. I got a couple of ships that are just laying on the floor. I got to put them up. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. And, and you know, it's just so magical, the bonding time that you have with the kids, uh, or even, you know, with just your friends or whatever when you're building those things, you know. But, oh, my God, some of them get a little pricey there. My God, I, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't think I'm dropping an 800 to 1,000 for them, but uh, yeah. some of them, you know, right isn't too bad there. yeah yeah they they you know they people know that uh they're hot and they're in demand 
Dominic, Alex, thank you guys very much. Uh, Dominic, do me a favor. Uh, let's have you sign off. If you can just say uh, your name and uh, cap it with, uh, and that's the scuttlebutt. That would be amazing. One more time just for us. Hi, I'm Dominic Pace, and that's the scuttlebutt. Awesome. Dominic, thank you so much. You are great. Thank you so much for uh, being open to this interview again. We will have uh, this episode uh, dropping on November 12th so we can uh, generate some uh, some uh, interest on our channel. And I'm sure you are not done with your podcast interviews as well. I know you've got a couple of them coming up. And uh, we are all ears, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you, thanking everybody for all their support. And may the force be with you. Greetings, Star Wars fans. This is Andrew from Coruscant Radio Underground. You're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Always.